a broke single mom who'd been fired from Denny's go on to become America's most sought-after real estate investor. Hold on to your seats as you are about to go on a wild ride that results in you being a superstar. Dwan Twyberg, a.k.a. Wonderful, is about to blow your mind. The most wonderful real estate podcast ever promises to be your go-to podcast for everything that life has to offer. You are entering the Wonderful Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Inside the Minds of Today's Millionaires. I'm Dwan Bent Twyford, America's Most Sought After Real Estate Investor. My podcast is called The Most Wonderful Real Estate Podcast Ever. And as you all know, on Thursdays, we like to interview all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life and just see what everybody's up to. And we're hoping that by listening to the guests today, if there's something or an obstacle or just something in your way, Maybe you hear something or it'll turn on the light bulb or give you an idea for something you can use in your own business. So the motto here at Wonderful is people before profits. So if that resonates with you, you're at the right place and this is your right time. And we have a super fun guest today. So I wanted to start up, introduce Charlotte Dunford. How are you today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So we always start off. We have uh, drinks with Juan. So we have a little toast and just kind of, you know, get in that conversation mode because we're just going to talk and have a conversation and just see what we find out today. So I have water. I do too. <laughs> okay, good. So Same here. Cheer. Big bottle. Cheer. cheer. <laughs> right out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's the best that way. So everyone just like take a deep breath and stretch out. That's right. Oh, and like shake out what you got going on. And just listen and have some fun with us today and let's see what's happening in the beautiful mind of this young lady. So what we like to do, Charlotte, is I like for you to tell us who you are, what you do, like short and a short description of what you do and how we can get in touch with you. And then I have a kajillion questions I want to ask you. Sounds good. Sounds good. So my name is Charlotte Dunford. I am the managing partner at Johns Creek Capital. Um, Johns Creek Capital is a private equity firm uh, focusing on small mobile home park investments. Currently, we have 26 mobile home parks with over $4.8 million in investor subscription. We actually just closed a park last week. So um, when I part- my partner and I started uh, Johns Creek Capital in 2020, um, we asked ourselves two questions. Um, is there money to be made? And how do I go about realizing those profits? So um, other than chasing the multifamily deals or the big mobile home parks, the big boys have been chasing for decades. We chose smaller mobile home parks. It's been really working out for us so far. So that's in a nutshell um, okay. what and I do. How do, we, how do we get a hold of you? Yes, that's right. So um, the best way to get a hold of me is go to my website at johnscreekcapital.com. There's a short contact form. And once you fill it out, I will usually reach out within a couple a couple uh, hours. See that behind you, John's, John's Creek Capital. That's right. John's Creek is the city where our firm was founded. So where's that? Uh, Johns Creek, Georgia. It's uh, oh, Georgia. a little Georgia. bit of a su- yes, suburb of Atlanta. Yeah, I love Georgia. I have uh, some family that lives there. I love to go to. Uh, I used to love to. I mean, it's like I'm really going to date myself here. I used yeah. to love to. My cousin. So I'm 63. My cousin is 60. So this is mm-hmm. like we're in our 20s. We used to go to the underground. Mm-hmm. 
Because back then it was like so fun and so much music and it was just like, I mean, now I hear it's like all crazy and it's rough yeah. and you can't go through. But back in those days, oh my yeah. God, we would be like, eh, you just go under and there's like a whole life in the city underneath there. And yes. it was so much fun in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, it's it's pretty so, fun. Yeah, I have probably been there 50 times, like so wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I graduated college there. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then it just got like rougher and rougher, and now it's like, oh, you can't go under there, and you get killed, and it's like, oh my god, it was so much fun in the day. So I feel excited that I got a a chance to enjoy that part of it. You know, definitely. I I I love Georgia. I gotta tell you something. There is something in Georgia. I don't know what it is. I think it's like that dogwood or something. There's something there that when it blooms, and every time I've been there. I get like deathly ill. I'm so jacked. Oh, wow. I have to go get like a steroid shot. I was like, what is that? My cousin's like, oh, it's a dogwood. You came at dogwood season. I'm like, listen, when I come to visit next time, tell me when it's not dogwood season, <laughs> I can come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got so I went there one day for a three-day webinar, for three-day uh, boot camp. And I was so ill from the allergies. Like there was just like white and green stuff. It was just coated everywhere. And I was like, it's I was wild. in bed like, I got too sick to teach, but I did. I did. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die up here. (laughs) It's it's a real estate market. It's a real real estate market. It is. It is. My cousin's been buying houses up there for well, 40 years. So. Oh, wow. That's nice. It's a good market. Okay. So you, so I like what I heard that you all work in small mobile home parks. I feel like mobile homes are, uh, they don't get enough credit. Mm, you don't hear a lot of people talking about them. And I think when people think of mobile home, I don't know. I think like most people think of a mobile home, they think of like, oh, some Jerry Springer person living in a mobile home. But don't you think? I think that's what people think. And that's the stigma. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And the thing is, like, especially like, you know, we have a house in Florida. There's that one mobile home park there right on the ocean. And I'm talking these places are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they're right on the ocean. Yeah, it's more like a neighborhood. Yeah, it is a neighborhood. Everyone in there knows everybody. One of my friends lives in there. And there are all these beautiful mobile home parks all over the country that are so beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to get involved in all that. And they have that white trash kind of thought. Because that's just how I hear people talk. Yeah, like, yeah. And you are totally overlooking such a market. There's a lot of money right. to be made there. Mm-hmm. Because there is so much demand, there is a affordable housing crisis that yeah. our country is facing right now, and the supply is somewhat limited because because of the stigma. Actually, yeah. local legislatures, the counties, and cities they don't want us to build m- more mobile home parks anymore, and um, that's lim- limited supply and demand is growing. So that yeah. tells you prices are rising. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I um, my grandmother had left me and my sister some property in Tennessee. And I wanted to put, uh, it was enough land to put like maybe like 10 little mobile homes on it. I wanted yeah. to make like a little mobile, because it is in the country. Right. I have a little mobile home community and have a little pool and a little fountain and a couple of nice things. And we, right. we, we couldn't get it passed. Mm, and we were right. all ready to go. We had all yeah. plotted out. We're like, this is going to be great. And it was right by a little tiny grocery store that, that, that elderly people could walk to. Yeah. yeah. Right by a church. It was in the country. It was so great. That's right. And yeah. But the zoning is difficult to do because, yeah. like I said, the cities actually want them gone because of stigma. Um, but but they do provide provide value to the city, but that actually plays into our advantage that supply and demand, right? So the demand is growing up, going up, and um, supply is limited. Because so we have the- to change the stigma of mobile homes. 
That's right. Yeah. Because I had been around so many beautiful places and my husband and I had a, a Prevo for a while. It was big like Rockstar buses. Mm-hmm. And so when you take those, they have a lot of communities that have like mobile homes and like Prevo community where you can park your bus. And That's right. I'm telling you, these places are like, they have landscapers every minute. They're so clean. Yeah. They have like an HOA. Yeah. Like they have fancy, fancy, fancy. Everybody has like fancy golf courses, uh, golf carts, and they have like a a country club place for dinner. And I was just like, dang, look at all this, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I love that. So how do you go about trying to help people change the stigma? So, you know, there are well-run mobile home parks and there are run-down mobile home parks. So, you know, what we want to do is to make the community more attractive by providing the tenants with a um, a better neighborhood. You know, we do things such as, you know, just better management, better upkeep, uh, better, you know, lawn care, snow plowing, and, um, you know, encourage people with more pride of ownership. Once you get the pride, pride of ownership up, ship up with uh, the tenants, they will do better upkeep of their homes. And we do also cosmetic upgrades, like adding a new sign to the community. You know, you see the Lake, you know, Lakeview, um, yeah. Lake community, or something. You know, you, 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 there's a name to every mobile home park, so you want to give it a more of a, you know, a community feeling. And you, you can also add white fences around the, you know, the edges of the park to give it yeah. more of a country feel. So there are things that you can do to boost the pride of ownership instead of, you know, a lot of. I think we buy from a lot of mom and pop owners where oh, I they. Bet. They kind of take it, you know, put the treat the mobile home park as a kind of an ATM machine. They barely keep books. So we, we pretty much take it <laughs> and treat it more like a business. That's true. That's so true. That's so true. Okay. So I really love that, that part. So now you guys are the managing partners. You are a managing partner. So do you guys buy the parks? Do you allow people to invest with you that say, hey, I have $50,000. I want to invest in this. Do you have people that you uh, allow to invest with you? That's right. Yes, we do. So we're we're a syndication business. I so would like someone like me make money with you. I've got a hundred thousand dollars, and I don't know what to do with it. And I meet right. you, and I'm like, oh, I love what Charlotte's doing. How would I make money? So you know, <laughs> our investors. Uh, you know, we we currently have four point eight over four point eight million dollars in investor subscriptions. So those investors are just like you and people who want to have that passive investment. Um, so you know let's say you have $100,000 that you would like to invest, then first we'll kind of talk on the phone and see, you know, what's your experience. You don't have to have the experience. You know, we just look for uh, either accredited or if you are sophisticated in business and real estate. So once, you know, we'll have a talk on the phone and I get to understand what your goals are, um, you know, we will, then I will be able to send you some deals that we currently have. And there you can just tell me, hey, Charlotte, I want to, this deal looks good to me. I would like to invest $50,000 or hundred thousand in this, this deal. And usually our, we follow a waterfall return structure. That's, okay. that's on a yearly. Explain basis. that to people that don't know what that means. Right. So it's a kind of a complex thing to, to understand at first. So it's, we, a waterfall structure is pretty much a way to align the sponsors, which is us, our interest with investor interest. So once we, we have something called a preferred rate of return. So mm-hmm. we use an 8% preferred rate of return. And right. once we hit that, that's a hurdle that we hit in a particular year. Let's say we buy this thing, buy a property in March and hit our preferred return in 
December, let's just say. And that, you know, once we hit that return, the remaining cash flow from, you know, the next, the, the January, February, you know, that would be split based on a waterfall structure based. So that would be slipped into 70, 30 percentage. Let's say you make a hundred, a thousand dollars per month and the 70, you know, seven, you know, seven, 70 percent of that $1,000 will go to investors. 30 will go to us. That's, you know, once we hit that return, it will be splitting. And then the next hurdle, let's say we do really, really well and hit a 12% return, then you, the investor will be getting 60% once we hit that. And then we get 40. So we get a little bit bigger chunk. And then once we hit it, even let's say we, we just totally are, 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 are on fire and doing so well. <laughs> so we hit that, you know, a 16% prefer. Right preferred rate of return, that's a hurdle. So we split this, uh, you know, 50-50 and it stops there. And that resets every year. So let's say in a particular year, we did not hit the preferred rate of return. What happens is that uh, deficiency carries forward into the next year. So it it will be accumulative cash on cash return. So it's never going to be, you know, you're not going to, you know, you'll be made whole at the end. So Nice. And so are people investing, like just say, here, I just want to put my money and I want you to send me money back. Or they like, hey, I actually want to own this with you, and I want to like maybe we buy a mobile home park together. So are they yeah. do they have the option of like buying and owning them, or just giving you guys money to invest for their return? So we uh, exclusively take on passive investors, meaning that they have to be a limited partner, okay. meaning that they we we don't really currently take on any general partners. Uh, let's say we just want to do business together, but because we have you know a lot of investors and we have that had that request before, we usually say, hey, you know, we're open to that in the future, but we would like to start you off as a passive investor. So for now, we, you know, we I'm with it because you get too many cooks in the kitchen, you can't get anything done. Right, right. Because they want to like, do something their own way. It's like, listen, somebody <laughs> has to be the chief and somebody has to be the Indians. Like somebody's right. got to run the show here. And right. I know I've tried to do deals before, like, you know, 15 people, oh, it's all pitched together and do this deal. I'm like, okay, only if I can be solely in charge of everything. That's right. I'm not going to have 2000 requests coming across my phone day and night. Well, let's do this. Let's yeah. do that. Because most of the people that are investing are not really experienced in that exact thing they just have money to invest they don't know what to do with it that's right yeah so that's why it's important to have someone you know general partners like john's Creek capital we have to be we're we're experienced in mobile home park management acquisition disposition um so that's why uh, it's important to 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 vet your partners uh thoroughly yes and do you buy all over the country or just only in georgia yeah, we buy all over the country. We actually only have one park in Georgia. So we actually only, we focus on markets. We have very heavy presence in the Midwest and the Southeast, uh, Iowa, you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, and, um, you know, the Midwest and the Northeast, Southeast, South, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, and Georgia. But we buy all over the country. We have one out in Arizona, one in Montana, another one in Maine. So it's really all over the place. But we, so nice. you know, we judge the deal by deal. So we got our algorithm that you know qualifies our deals. Nice. So you guys are like, okay, we're ready to buy three more mobile homes. How do you how do you find them? Do you have someone that searches them out, or how are you finding people that? And you buy the whole park, right? That's right. Yeah, mobile no, home parks. Scratch. You buy them already built. 
uh, uh, already built. So mobile home parks, we actually don't want the mobile homes on them because mobile home parks is a parking lot business. So you're buying the land that you're renting out the land. You don't want the rental, you know, fixing furnace business, fixing water line issue business. You want the land. So uh, we buy the mobile home park as, you know, a land purchase. Uh, so we're renting out the dirt, renting out the dirt that the homes yep. sit on. Um, so yeah, so how do we find those? So we, we actually throughout when we started, really, actually, I started in 2019. I got my first park in August 2019. So I really built a lot of relationships with brokers and sellers and just ha- have figured out a mechanism to have the deals come to me. So <laughs> I pretty much we, we've underwritten thousands of deals uh, at this point. Nice. I love that. I know. I always love that when people, because you have to find like quite a bit of vacant land. How much vacant land do you need to build like a nice size mobile home park? So, yeah. So that development, that is a pretty big undertaking. We've actually never done that before. So we usually only buy pretty, you know, 80% stabilized value add, light value add assets. um, That How many acres is an average park on? Um, I think... Acreage wise, anywhere from 1.5 to anywhere to four. Um, it really depends on the park size. Um, yeah, so that's on average one to four, but see, that's a big range. Uh, it's, no, it's, I know it is. And if people don't understand thing about mobile parks, is it's not about renting out the mobile home, it's the land, correct? Absolutely, and the land, exactly. You know, and then of course, they, you know, they have to bring their mobile homes and they have to be, you know. Obviously, it has to be nice right. because otherwise, you know, it brings down the neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's 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 the parking. The the, the homes are no more than vehicles. Actually, states treat them as cars. They so do. you get mobile they have home titles. Be like load it up and take it with you. People don't that's know right. that. Like, that's right. That's right. And one advantage is that it's called mobile home, but it's nothing but mobile because it's actually really difficult to move them. So if they're newer, oh, yeah. you can move oh, them yeah. and there's $10,000 to move. And if they're older, you can't move them without shattering everything in pieces. So, you know, that increases some stability, you know, as long as you have pride of ownership. So they, they would like to stay. But then yeah. if you don't, they don't have pride ownership, that's another story. So. Yeah, when my mom and dad got divorced, I was um, a senior in high school and we lived in the country. And so my dad had 10 acres. So he sold half and uh, sold five acres to get to my mom. And she bought another five acres. But it had a really nice mobile home on it. Like, I mean, like the biggest, nicest one I've ever seen. And the people that owned it had like bricked it all around and all the stuff. I didn't even realize. I mean, I didn't even realize for a while. And it was so nice on five acres at the top of a hill in the country. And I was like, man, this place is so nice, mom. Yeah. She lived there for a decade. It was, she loved it. Yeah. Just like a home. It's it's supposed to be a home where there yeah. is private driveway. And, you know, that's what the, the kind of a, uh, fulfilling the American dream of home ownership comes from. You know, all the people today, my both my daughters are like, we want to get a tiny home and put it on the back of a pickup truck and just move it all around the country. It's like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they do. And it's like, they want to like have their home on the back of their truck and just live all around the country. I'm like, then you should do that. That's right. If you're yeah. with kids and you want to move all around the country and you can work off your computer, get a truck and hook it up and go where you want to go. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot of people have that RV tiny home dreams um, uh, to move around the country. Yeah. That, that's definitely one of the, you're right. it's not like you just pull up and hook your truck up and take off with it there. When yeah. they're sad, it's like a big deal to move one. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's expensive too. 
It, it is expensive. It is expensive. Now, how old are you, Charlotte? I'm 28 years old. Oh my gosh, you are such a pop. You're <laughs> no, totally- I'm, I'm trying. Oh, I know. You know what, though? It's really nice because I didn't start investing until I was like 32-ish. And mm-hmm. so I really love to see people that are still in their 20s that already took that step to own a business or, or to do something like that, because it takes a lot of courage to do right. that because everyone right. has a big high fear of failure. Right. It takes a lot of courage to like, you know what, I'm going to do that and I'm going to make it work and it's going to be great and I'm going to make money. Right. Because I think from my personal experience, I came to the United States when I was 16 years old by myself. My parents never came with me. So I was pretty much one person with two suitcases. And I'm pretty much I remember the cab driver dropped me off to a host family in the woods. And that was that. So I pretty much had to learn English, learn everything here in this new country to, you know, get into a good college here in, in the South, top engineering school. And compared to the risk that I took at 16, you know, the risk that I took to quit my full-time job at corporate level um, when I was 25 didn't seem that big. So I just, you know, there was a lot more that I had to go through um, to get to this point. So at this point, it it wasn't that big of a risk for me personally anymore. uh, Where where did you come from? I was born in China until I was 16. Yeah, you have, um, my daughter's best friend was, her parents are Chinese. Uh-huh. They, she was raised in America, but uh-huh. your accent is so similar because she has like, her parents speak Chinese. They don't speak that much English. And she yeah, obviously speaks both. But I was listening to your accent. I'm like, gosh, she sounds just like Susie. I wonder if she's from China. <laughs> yes, yes. The accent is so similar. Definitely, definitely. But you know what? Honestly, though, to come to America at 16 years old, and live with a host family in America from China, that was, that was the move that, oops, I'm sorry. I had okay. my phone turned off. That was the move that literally took balls. Yeah, that was, that was, um, you know, it, it was not scary for me. It was more scary for my parents than I'm, I'm their only daughter. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I knew that it was going to a better place. Nice. That's so great. And then, so you learn English and everything once you got over here. Right. Right. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So I can see from your point of view then like, Oh, I'm going to start a business. Like that's easy. I've already come over here and learned the language. I went to college. I'm an engineer. I'm smart. Right. I'll, just, I'll, I'll take all that goodness and make a business out of it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thanks. I think it was just, um, you know, it was, a, it was a risk calculated risk worth taking. And I learned a whole lot about real estate and, Ever since I started my corporate job, I was already using my salary to qualify for deals. So at the time, I already got a few deals, not mobile home parks, but, you know, in real estate. So Uh it wasn't really just nothing. Um, It started with something little. Nice. So you were like, so I always like to ask people like what they were doing when they were young. So when you were like 13, 14, 15, what were you doing? Were you working? Were you going to school? What were you doing? I was in China studying like a crazy person as a lot of Chinese students were uh, back in the nineties. And I was, you know, my parents were pretty tough and my, you know, I was made to play the piano uh, pretty much, you know, it was the daily life of, of an average Chinese student in China, Northern, Northern town um, studying, play the piano and studying more and get to the exams. That was it. <laughs> it was much, not much, but I always had a dream to, to want to come to the U S and I'm glad it, so it was that it, your it, dream it, when you were little, like I'm going to live in America and I'm going to have a business or was that your dream yeah, when you well, were like yes, 14, yes. 15 when you were a kid? 
Yes, I was listening to American music, and I think in the nineties,、um, the Chinese government is it. Well, it's they're going backwards, but、uh, the Chinese communist regime、uh, first started allowing certain American movies and music to get in. So I was able to watch movies, though they cut cut out certain parts that they didn't think that was appropriate. So, but I was still exposed to that, and English was like popular. It's like everybody wanted to learn it. Oh so, yeah. Actually, had a chance to come to the United States when I was, I think, either eleven or twelve. So、um, the American embassy wouldn't sign more than I don't know, like how many fifteen visas for this, you know, summer program, summer camp program. So it was in Los Angeles. So I, so you know, you know what what my teacher made made, made us do was she made us、uh, draw、um, on the piece of paper. So there are twenty people who wanted to go. There could be only twelve students that could go. Right.、Um, so they made us draw out of a basket. So if your paper says yes, then you get to go. If no, you don't get to go. So there are only twelve yeses. So oh my goodness, your luck. I drew yes, and that was that. So I、wow. got to go, and I started everything for me. It was great. So brave as a young girl. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. The thing. I mean, I, I'm so proud of you having a business and everything too, but. That that's your story is like that you came from another country and a communist country no less to America, which had to have been like a giant culture shock.、Oh, yeah. Sorry, my、uh, can I just plug in my computer real quick? I don't want、yeah. it to die on us all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope this is yeah, like yeah. free record. <laughs> She's so great, isn't she? We love her. I am good. Yeah, about that. I've done that once. I was doing a podcast once, and both of us forgot to plug our computers in, and they died. Like at the same、oh. time, it took us twenty minutes to get back,、like, back together. It's like, oh my gosh! So now I'm always like, okay, computer, I'm checking, and and I always have my check markers like to make sure my phone's off. Okay. I didn't turn my phone off today because I hate、yeah. when my phone rings. I'm trying to to talk to somebody. So I really I love that when when my、um, daughters were in high school. Um. So they so they're um they're a little older than you. They're thirty three and thirty seven. Thirty three, thirty six, thirty three and thirty six. That's a thing for a second. Um. But back then we lived in the mountains in Colorado, and. <clears throat> they had like a pen pal thing where they encouraged everyone to get pen pals from other countries.、And、this is before the internet was like all weird and creepy, and you didn't know if it was like some old nasty yeah. guy. <laughs> so, yeah. They, both of my daughters love the country of Japan.、Mm-hmm. They love everything Japanese, and they taught themselves how to speak it. And they found pen pals from Japan.、Mm-hmm. Well, as it turned out, so they have these two Maria Mayuka, and they've all been friends all this time now for. Like 15 years, still、oh, wow. friends. They、yeah. go see them in Japan. They come here to the states. They do all the stuff. So we had this exchange student,、um, mm-hmm. Yoshi, and、yeah. he was from Japan. <clears throat> so he came to, and he was in our little tiny town in the mountains、mm-hmm. for a year. And so of course my girls are like, speak Japanese. He's from Japan. And they,、yeah. and we're super good friends. And we had him come over all the time. We'd help run him around. And we kind of like took him under our wing as well. But he had a host family.、Mm-hmm. So. He goes back, so now he's gone on to become a brain surgeon.、Mm. So、this little kid that used to come over at my house and like ride dirt bikes is a、yeah. brain surgeon. 
So my daughters were like, oh, we want to go and visit Yoshi. He's doing this and that. And so they were 16 and 18. Mm -hmm. I was like, sure. I know Yoshi. I've talked to his parents. You can go stay. So so we just like take him to the airport, let them go. But when they, after they were gone, I was like, oh my God, we let these girls go to Japan. Like, we don't know where they're at. We have no idea. We have a cell phone number. What if Yoshi's parents are crazy people? <laughs> yeah. That's always a concern. Yeah. yeah. And then they met Mayuka and Mari. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if their parents are like crazy people? Like, we don't know. Our kids are just loose in this country. They're taking fast yeah. trains everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then as it turned out, one of them even came over to one of my daughter's weddings. And they've all been such good friends this whole time. After they were gone, I was like, what did I do? I have no idea. (laughs) I imagine your parents are like sending you off into America. Yeah, they never knew the host family. I actually transferred a few host families and one of them was crazy people. So, um, but um, yeah, but you know, that all builds your character. Yeah, it does. No, it does. And so did you start in Georgia? No, I started in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like George better than Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Well, I never. I really chose. Or uh, it was just a school that, um, you know, a private school cheap enough to, you know, for me to afford, and also that they pretty much were this first one semi acceptance acceptance letter. So that was, that was that. <laughs> the people in Georgia are nice. I mean, we all consider the Georgia sort of be south. We had like the old southern, like the old yeah. money from Georgia. Those people are so nice. I love the southern. Yeah. I love. It. I love it. My family's from Georgia. Kentucky and Tennessee. So I love that whole part of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's so, nice That's so neat. So tell me though, what is your favorite band? What's your favorite band of all time? Oh, that's a good one. question. I think that is, I think for now, well, of all time, they're like different bands. Growing up, I like Chinese bands, but now I think I like Killers, the Killers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that would be your favorite band of all time? I think so. Yeah. So you know what? It's very rare that someone gets me on a band that I don't know because I really love music and I listen to all genres from all decades. I do not know who the killers are. The killers. Now, um, I'm going to YouTube after we're done and listen to some of their music. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're pretty good. I like them a lot. Yeah. What kind of music is it? So it's actually my husband is the one who actually introduced me to a lot of those music. He has really good music taste and, I, you know, I'm kind of following him in a way. Um, so the killers... Um, I I wouldn't like, see, I'm not a, like a music junkie, so I don't really understand. I I don't really (laughs) explain what kind of genre, but, but I like their music, um, good lyrics, good, 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 um, composing. So I I would. I've been listening to it. I've been listening. I've been doing podcasts for three years. I've only had three people give me a band. I did not know. And I was just Uh the first time I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I don't know this band. Because yeah, I really, I, I didn't know about them until a couple of years ago too. So okay, well, I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> but you know, I get older and kids come up younger and there's all these new bands and it's like, oh, it's hard to stay up with everybody. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So what is your favorite food? Like what's your favorite food of all time? You know, I like anything spicy. <laughs> I love spicy food. And so does my husband. Actually, that's how we, how we connected with each other, but kind of, yeah. The oh, love spicy for spicy food. food. Yeah. <laughs> Because we yeah, like, is he both like or is he Chinese. He, he's American. Nice. So you met yeah. him over here. You guys both love spicy food. You're like, oh, hanging out, getting to know each other right. to learn about music. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, he's he's he. We, we met at Georgia Tech where, where we both went to college. Yeah. Nice. Georgia Tech's a good school. Mm-hmm. Very good. School. And you said you went for engineering. 
Yeah, so I got in as industrial industrial engineering, and so so did my husband. But I transferred to business, and he transferred to computer computer science. So, um, so Not we both only graduated. Are you super pretty, you're super smart. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I try to work hard. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You well, you do. I mean, uh, American kids over here when they're in their teens, like nobody's making them study or do anything. They're like going to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a different culture, and also competition is fierce in China. So it's yeah, it's no, no. I made my we made our kids work though. It's like we didn't give them any allowance, yeah. so they had to work if they wanted to have money for anything. So if you want to yeah, go movies, you want to go skating, you want to do anything, you got to work, and this is what you have to do. And right. we didn't give them anything. It's like right. we yeah. made all of our money from scratch, so you are yeah. also going to do the same thing. Exactly. Yes. And they had to work, so if they want something, and I remember a couple times they were like, "Oh, we don't need money this week. We're not going to do our things." And then like two weeks later, like we need money. I'm like, don't come looking at me. I'm not the ATM over here. You didn't do your work. You didn't save anything up. You didn't plan. Exactly. So you don't get to go. Yeah, that's right. Good, great parenting right there. So, and and we didn't allow them listen to any music with curse words. So if they, if they bought a CD, because that's like back in the, that would have been like in the, in the nineties, let's see, 88, 98. So like 2000s ish. Um, they were starting to put all the parental labels on the music and, you know, so our, yeah. my deal was like, listen, you can listen to any kind of music you want, but not a bunch of curse words. Like, we're not going to yeah. have that. You guys are kids. And I said, and if I hear you and they had CDs, of course, so I say, you, if I hear a CD and it's all like MF, blah, 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 and it's just really nasty, I'm going to snap it in half and throw it out the window. So that was the deal. And they had to buy their own CDs too. So, wow. so every one of the kids, all three of them at one point or another had at least one CD. And I would walk in their room and they're in there listening. I'm like, I'm sorry. What did I just hear right there? It's like, no, no, I was in my room. Like, no, no, it's my house. My house, my rules. That's so right. all yeah. of them, I have snapped one or two CDs and oh, boy. tossed them out the window. <laughs> hey, that's good. Thank you later. <laughs> it's like, listen, you guys can do whatever you want when you grow up. But when you live here, you're going to work right. and you're going to be respectful and you're going to follow the rules. Good. You're going to participate. And if you don't want to do those things when you move out, you do what you want. But under my roof is what you do. Exactly. So then when, they, when they all left home, they were like, you yeah, have so many rules. That's what uh, <laughs> I asked all of them. Like, tell me something you loved about growing up. Tell me something you didn't like. They all said something about the rules. Uh-huh. Well, so hey. all of them move into their own apartments. And my son <laughs> is the first one. He moves into an apartment or to a house. He rents a house. He has a yeah. big party. And he has like a, a fridge with a bunch of beer in it. And uh, he's got like another cooler and just a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so many people end up showing up. He's part of this car club and they like race cars, like the Bass and the Furious. And they were drinking or smoking doing all stuff. And then when the party was over the next day, he's like, people threw up in my house. Every single oh. beer, every stick of food, everything I have, everything was gone. The house was trash. Took me three days to clean it up. And he's like, I'm making rules. Well, you know, you should have more like, rules. I was like, how about those rules? You're making rules? He's like, that's right. I'm putting rules up. People come into my house, you have to be respectful. Do that, do that, do that. And I said, look who's talking about the rules now, mister. Exactly. There you go. There you After go. one party, he's like, my house is destroyed. Because <laughs> <laughs> they eat everything, like everything right out of the boxes and the cans and everything. I was like, oh, well, there you go. You got to set some boundaries. So the, the one that bitched the most. Laid down the strictest rules for his friends. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. I know. It's just funny how, like, later kids look back and they go, mm, it wasn't so bad after all, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't let my kids be mall kids. So it's like, no, no, no. We live in the country. You're going to camp and four wheel and 
Mm-hmm. You know, go kayaking and nature things and hike. I mean, we're not going to have a bunch of mall kids around here. So mm-hmm. I, I was uh, the anti-mall, but I was the fun mom. <laughs> exactly. Good. Good. I like doing that stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if somebody wanted to work with you, mm-hmm. what would they have to take for that first step to be like, hey, listen, I really like this mobile home thing. And and I, I really feel like, honestly, and I'm going to make sure everybody hears me say this, I really feel like mobile homes have... I have a little bit of a bad rap, but they're really, honestly, they're such good investments. I mean, they really, really are. So I'm all about doing whatever we can do to kind of help change that stigma because mobile homes are a great investment. Mm-hmm. So what would a person have to have to work with you guys? Do they have to be accredited? Like, what do they have to have to be able to be like, hey, Charlotte, I've got money and what do I need for you to be able to take it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, I think the best thing to do is to go to our website and fill out the form. So our website is johnscreekcapital.com and fill out the form. And just, um, you know, once you fill out the form, I get a notification. I'll pretty much reach out within the hour mostly and we'll set up a call and then we'll be able to kind of like talk about, um, you know, are you accredited, accredited, not, you know, so they don't need, they don't have to be credited. They okay, can be good. participated. Um, and there are different things that we can, you know, work through to uh, get you um, to, 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 to get you qualified for, for the deal. So, but I think that, that that's why I'm saying the best thing to do is to, you know, don't, um, I think, look at the rules and say, oh, you're, I'm not a credit, so I'm not going to reach out. So do reach out to me and just go to our website and reach out to me and we'll have a talk. And once we talk, you know, it'll be a lot more clear. I'll be able to assess your situation and we, we'll have our attorney assessing you know investor situations all the time and then we'll be able to give you more of a qualified response so could someone come in with like as little as ten thousand dollars they could um it depends on the deal it it depends on the deal Uh, a lot of our investors do a lot more than that but it uh, totally depends on the deal it's case case by case so i think um, so i feel like that's important for people because i know when i'm talking to people they're like Oh, I made all this money. I have all this retirement money. I want to invest it, but everybody wants like a hundred thousand. You can't get into this fund or that fund. And I think when people hear like the, you know, they're in some kind of a fund, they think you have to have a bunch of money to do that. And no, I, credited, yeah. and it sounds like, oh, I don't know how to become a credit investor. And I think sometimes the terminology sort of scares people off. And if they're like, hey, listen, I could just call Charlotte. She's so nice. And we could see, and I've got some money and I'm not accredited. And, and you know, they could work because I mean, 8% return is a solid return on their money. Right, right, right. Well, that's 8% is only the preferred rate of return. So all of our projects will have, you know, at least 15%, 12 to 15%, if not more uh, internal rate of return, which is the IRR and over 20% of annualized return. So nice. I love that business. Now, are you in business? Are you in business with your husband? No. No, he's not related to this business at all. What uh, he, he, he has a so he's a software developer. Um, he's a team lead um, at, at a software development. Um, so that's that's what he does. He's a computer science um, major, so he does programming. So not not related. Well, super he's smart. Not involved. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We try. Try to work hard. Ah, so I find out that most people have like some sort of place somewhere in the world that was like their happy place. When they're at this place, they're just like, ah, everything is so amazing. Where's your happy place? My happy place, you know, that is a good question. I think is when um, I love working. I genuinely do. Um, when I work hard and 
get the reward for it. That's what makes me happy. But that's and, okay. Work is okay for a happy place. A lot of people love working. I love working. People yeah. are like, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, I've been doing it forever. I'm like, I know, but I really love it. Like, exactly. Yeah. I'm not tired. I'm yeah. not tired. I still want to keep doing it. It's like, hey, exactly. I'm 63. I'm going to teach and do podcasts yeah. until I'm like too old to get up out of my chair and turn the computer on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, that's my happy place. All right. So at the end of every show, we like to have, uh, we have, I have something, I call it the five equities of life. And so my regular listeners know that it's the five equities are financial, spiritual, physical, mental, and family. And I kind of feel like everything falls under a category. Like family could be your family, your friends, your cousins, your, your extended family. Financial could be what you're making, what you're donating. Like, you know, everything kind of falls into that. And I also find that when people are starting a business, I mean, I know for myself anyway, when people are starting a business, they tend to focus a lot on the financial. And I think some people get so focused here that everything over here suffers. And so as I've gotten older and you know, ideally wiser, um, I feel like I'm always trying to tell people, make sure you have balance in your life all the way through. Because in my 30s, when I first started, I just worked every single minute of the day. I just, I was broke. I was a single mom. I had my husband, my car, everything was gone. I had an eight month old baby. And I was like, oh my God, I have to work like, you know, 29 hours every day. And, um, and I just got too, you know, you do too much here. You don't take that care over there. So I really want people to try to at least uh, have some sort of balance. So I really like you to choose one of the equities and then you give us an assignment and then I, everyone that listens knows, I asked the week that your show comes out, I asked them to do that assignment for a week. And if they like it, keep doing it. If it adds value to their life. And if they don't, at least they kind of mix things up a little bit for the week and just something different. Right, so right. Which equity are you going to choose for us? So I think, you know, focus on your family. And okay. I think I'm going to choose family. Okay. And then, so give us, I like that. Uh, so give us an assignment. Like, what could we, what do you want everyone to do for the next seven days? What do you want people to do? So allocate, um, you know, at least 30 minutes per day to spend some quality time with your family. Uh, either that's 30 minutes, you know, allocated together to scram into a day. I don't care. It just needs to be, you know, some quality time with your family because people forget to do that. Life gets so busy. And if you don't have the foundation for your family, nothing else would really go well. Your health, your finance, finances, spiritually, everything else. So you need to focus on who you love. I know. Amen. Because you know what? At the end of the day, when, when you get to be my age, you'll be like your family. It's important. And then people look back and go, oh, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. That's so right. I feel like family is important too. And it is really easy to get into seeing people like at Christmas, Easter birthdays. And that's yeah. it. And the rest of the time you're busy and you don't see each other and you don't really know what's going on. And it's really easy. I mean, I became for a couple of years, I would like see my parents at Christmas and Easter. So I'm working. And then, you know, now it's like, I mean, I mean, I started way decades ago, like making sure right. I saw everybody on the regular, Yeah. but it is really easy to like, oh, they're always there. Mm-hmm. And then something happens and they're not. And it's like, oh, dang, man, I should spend more time over there. So I love that one because I, I am very big on family. And now we have four grandbabies. And I'm just like, oh, my God, yes. I just want those kids with me every minute of the day. Oh, so, I know it's fun. Family is just so important. OK, so, again, people are going to reach you at johnscreekcapital.com. Right. So I took a few notes. So I always kind of like to just sort of do a little wrap up and see if we learn just a little bit about uh, who Charlotte Dunford is today. So you are 28. 
You came to America from China when you were 16. Very bold move. Learned the language and got in and, and that. As a child, you were living in China, doing piano, studying. I think what we would over here think that a typical Chinese teenager does because we know oh, yeah. what studying is, in, I think, in every country. I think America's probably one of the worst are like making their kids study. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Um, you are uh, a partner in the, um, the small business, mobile homes sector, which I really love that. And you live in Georgia. I love that too. Went to engineer college, George Tech, beautiful and smart. And you like passive, uh, partners. You have about 4.8 million invested right now. People don't necessarily have to be accredited. They can be, not be. You like the killers as you band. You like spicy food and you like to work <laughs> and you like family. Absolutely. That's perfect. Okay, I wish I, I had it. I had that, you know, on my bio, <laughs> people a snapshot of who I am. There you go. That sums it up perfectly. That's why I like to do interviews. People are always like, oh, I'm going to send you over my questions. It's like, mm, no, I don't want to know what your questions are. <laughs> I want to ask you questions that I want to know. I want to stop. I, what, does I, what do I want to know? So mm-hmm. I really, uh, I, I got to tell you, I love your business because, you know, I, I, I have all your information sent to me. And, and I try to read it like right before I talk to someone, because, you know, sometimes you get someone on the show and they're like, they don't really talk very much and you can't get them to engage. It's like, oh, my God, you had full teeth. Um, yeah. So I want to make sure I always have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I really like the fact that you guys are into the mobile home section because there's not very I, mean, I know a lot of investors have been teaching for 25 years all around the country. There are not a lot of investors that specifically do that. Right, right. I, think I really feel like it's sort of like a thing that's over here. And if right. more people knew and more people did it, mm-hmm. they, they would, it's, there's a lot of money in mobile homes. Right, right. So I think much. it's extremely important to focus on a niche and figure out everything about that niche and be extremely good at what you do um, instead of focusing on what everybody else is chasing after. So I think that's what took us off the ground is to focus on the niche. Yeah. You know, I could not agree more. I tell, because I teach... I teach real estate investing to new people and I start them out with like learn some wholesaling and learn some subject twos and buy yourself some rentals and kind of yeah. work them through, you know, through like, you know, advancing into things. But I always tell people, try to learn a little bit about everything and find something that you really like that you're like, wow, this thing right here really excites me. And if you focus on that thing, you'll never feel like you're working. Exactly. There you go. You know, and so I like this. So I am all about niche for sure. I always tell people find the thing that you're just like, oh my God, I can't wait up and can't wait to wake up and do this tomorrow. Yeah, and that's you'll, right. you'll, you'll just be really happy. But some people are like, yeah, they're all over the map. They like they they flip a house, they rehab a house, they buy a mobile home, they buy an apartment, they do it. They're just everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. I don't like investing. It's all over. I can't, you know, it's like yeah. find this path and mm-hmm. do that. And you yeah. guys just let them just turn their money in and they don't have to do anything but just sit back and collect checks. So what's better than that? That's right. <laughs> the passive, passive investment. <laughs> right? I'm all about anything to do with passive. All right. So everyone, if you have enjoyed being on the show today and listening to me and to Charlotte, uh, I want you to go to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever and leave a five-star review and write something. And on the shows when I'm just doing and talking by myself, I print out my five-star reviews, and if you'd like to have a chance to have your review read, you've got to leave one. So leave a five-star review. Um, Also, go to dwanderful.com, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L, dwanderful.com, and opt in, and I've got four free eBooks for you there. And I want you to go check out Charlotte and see what they're up to. And for those of you that have some money to invest, 
I, 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 you're really missing the boat if you don't get involved in doing what the, in the mobile home area, because after all these decades of doing this, and now that's probably one of the most under underrated and it's a super profit center. People just don't realize how much money is there. So I really love that. Um, so the last thing for you is I want you to give us a parting word of wisdom, but it has to just be one actual word. One word. Okay. A word. One word of that we're going to take with us for the rest of the week. Say courage. I say courage. Courage is a great word. Yeah, the fact that you came over here from another country took so much courage. That right there takes more courage than all the people that I'm going to start a business. It takes way more courage as a 16 year old to come to another country, and then on top of that, to start your own business. Like you are the American dream. Thank you. I, you I, really I, are. I strive you really to be. Are. You are. You are someone for people to look up to. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, that. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I do. I, I just, I feel like so proud that I had you on my show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Okay, everyone. So courage. That's it. Courage. Courage is like, courage is everything. And you just take this much courage and then you do it a little further ahead and just add a little bit more, a little bit more. Next thing you know, you're like, wow, look at all the things I've done. Look at Charlotte. So perfect example of courage right there. So again, thank you for being on the show and everybody else. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And remember that the truth is in the red letters. So ciao. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Wow, wow, wow. How much fun did you just have? You listened to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Hey, do me a favor. If you love just one thing about the show, if you laugh, if you learn something, leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Don't forget, next week, same bat time, same bat channel.